For most of you listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour today, this is Easter. And in very good Orthodox fashion, I'm going to give you an Easter greeting. And our guest today in the Orthodox Christian Hour here in our studios is Father Peter Gilquist from Santa Barbara, California. And he's going to give the replies. So to all of you who are celebrating Easter today, we say Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Welcome to the Orthodox Christian Hour. The Orthodox Christian Hour is brought to you by St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall in the University Town Center area of La Jolla. In a moment, the pastor of St. Anthony, Father John Braun. But first, a bit about Father John. The son of a Presbyterian minister, Father John spoke to literally thousands of college students all across the U.S. and Canada as he worked with Campus Crusade for Christ. Later, he would join seven other courageous evangelical Protestants involved with Campus Crusade who risked stable occupations and security in a search for the historic church founded by Jesus Christ. Amazingly, all came to the same conclusion, that the historic church exists today in the Orthodox Christian Church. Father John, as you will hear, is a gifted speaker and authority on Old and New Testaments. His journey has included being director of the Department of Campus Ministry for the Archdiocese and starting many new churches through his work in the Archdiocese Department of Missions and Evangelism. In 1994, he was the founding pastor of St. Anthony Orthodox Church in La Jolla. Today, the Orthodox Christian Church is the second largest Christian church in the world with over 300 million members worldwide. And now, Father John. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That is the traditional greeting at Easter time for Orthodox Christians all over the world. And by the way, the reason that today is not our Easter is simply because of some calendar differences that really aren't all that crucial, but it is the desire of Orthodox Christians around the world to all have Easter on the same day, and since, for example, Russia is on what we call the old calendar, uh, about 100 million Russians celebrate Easter today, or next week, I should say, and uh, that's when we'll celebrate Easter. But the greeting for centuries has been, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed is the reply, and that greeting is given over and over and over and over. And if you're thinking I'm saying over and over and over a lot, it's because we do it over and over and over a lot. And it's marvelous because the greeting, Christ is risen, is so much more powerful than the common greeting, hi, or hello. No, Christ is risen. What a remarkable greeting. Now, we have Father Peter Gilquist with us in the studio today, and Father Peter is an Orthodox priest. He's the director of the Department of Missions and Evangelism for the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America. He's been an Orthodox priest for the last 16 years. He's had a rather colorful life. He spent eight years with Campus Crusade for Christ in collegiate evangelism and had a remarkable career there. Uh, he was the senior editor for uh, Thomas Nelson Publishing Company for their the books that they did for a number of years and uh, a company, was part of a journey to orthodoxy of, of many, many, many uh, evangelical Christians. So, Father Peter, it's really nice to have you in our studio today. Uh, I would like you to just say hi to the folks that listen to the Orthodox Christian Hour, and I want you to tell us what Easter means to you more than anything else. Mm. Well, hello. It's good to be back again. Um, I, I, you know, I went through a lot of phases um, in my life regarding Easter. As a kid, it was always a, a really happy time. And... Um, 
Often my dad would take me down to a department store in Minneapolis and buy me a new outfit. And, um, uh, you know, that outfit spoke of the fact this is a special day. Um, I went through a period of my life where I, I kind of played down dressing up on Easter, and now I'm, I'm back on it again because it sets the day apart as a day that is above and beyond almost any other day because it's the day that Christ rose from the dead. And uh, so that was childhood, um, very pleasant. And then I went through a period as an evangelical Christian later on where we said every day is Easter. Uh, every day we celebrate the resurrection. And that's really true, except <clears throat> when you get into that mindset, it turns out that no day is Easter. Because if every day is something, then it's, it's no longer special. It would be like saying, well, every day is my 25th wedding anniversary. And, uh, you know, that I'm supposed to love my wife every day like I do on an anniversary. And again, you know, there's no problem with that other than once you, you undemarcate something, it tends to just fade into the background. Um, the thing I love now as an Orthodox Christian, not even as a priest necessarily, but just as an Orthodox Christian, is that the church doesn't just remember Easter, it does Easter. Uh, what uh, I mean, now, you need to explain yeah. that. I, I understand what you mean, but you need to explain mm -hmm. that. Well, for example, you've got the days of preparation, which we call Great and Holy Lent. And we enter into a, a time of fasting, a time of heightened awareness of, of giving to the poor called almsgiving, um, a time of forgiveness, time of prayer. By the way, all this is in Matthew chapter 6, which uh, is the... Uh, opening salvo of uh, for the gospel for exactly right before Lent begins. Um, so so you've, you're you're going through a forty day period of being sensitized to what's about to happen, and then uh, the day before Palm Sunday in the Orthodox Church we call Lazarus Saturday, and it's the day that we. Um, remember Christ raising Lazarus from the dead. And the, and the reason he's so important is because um, most of the resurrections the Lord performed were people that had just died. And uh, Lazarus had been dead, um, what, four days. And, uh, it, you know, the old King James Bible says he stinketh. In other words, he was, he was decomposing. His body was decomposing in the, in the grave. And the Lord brought him back. And the reason that means so much is every time I go to a funeral, Father, it, it looks so darn final. You know, you see the body in the casket, and it's, it's lifeless. And um, I just, I, we just buried my dad at 95. And I, I gave a, a short meditation at the funeral and I just, I said, I'm so happy to announce to you what you're looking at today is not the final chapter because Christ rose from the dead. He, he pulled Lazarus out of the grave uh, after he had physically begun decomposing and restored him. And then, of course, you've got Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, and then Holy Week, you've got, you know, the, the trial, the Last Supper, the, of course, the nailing on the cross. And... In the Orthodox Church, we have an, uh, an icon, a cut-out icon, if you will. In our parish, the body is probably close to six feet tall, maybe five and a half. And it's literally hung on the cross. And the first <clears throat> year I experienced it, I couldn't get through it dried-eyed. Uh, I knew all that stuff mentally, but to see it done is just powerful. And then, of course, when he is dead, he's taken down off the cross and laid in a grave or a tomb, which is actually on top of the altar. And then, of course, Sunday morning you walk in and, and uh, the candles, the candlelight spreads throughout the church. And it's way more than mental. The light is there. The lights are on. He's, he's alive. The tomb is empty. And 
So in other words, rather than just thinking it through or even only hearing about it, which is way better than nothing at all, obviously, you've got, you've got the, the reenactment. You, you walk through it with him. Um, there's that old hymn, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? And I'd have to say no. I was there historically and in memory, but in the church, we are there when they crucified him. We're there when they buried him. We're there when he rose again on Sunday morning. And uh, so Easter is an annual re-entry into the great reality of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it, it takes it a step beyond just the preaching and teaching of it and brings it into the realm of what's so popular on TV today. That is reality. It's real. You know, it's really remarkable that you would say these things because what you don't know is that for the last several weeks since the beginning of uh, Western Lent on the Orthodox Christian Hour, this is precisely what we have talked about, mm. that we're, we're encouraging the people. I've challenged the listeners to prepare for this season so that they can participate in precisely the way in which you have described it. You know, there's also times that I, when I think about that, uh, I, I don't know if it falls in the category of a spiritual, but of the, the song you raised, the, uh, the memory of, were you there when they crucified my Lord? There's actually times that I wonder if the very simplicity of that song doesn't give an in, uh, it doesn't at least intimate that whoever put that together, and I don't know where it came from, had at least some idea that it can be participated in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do this, as you've described, through the, through the mystery of liturgy and sacrament. Uh, it's almost a redundancy because the way that would actually have to be said to be technically correct, through the mystery of mystery and mystery, because sacrament means mystery. Mm -hmm. Uh, in Greek, it means uh, sacraments, just the, the Latin term for the Greek term mystery when you translate it out of the New Testament. And it is a mystery. How can we in the 21st century participate? Uh, how can we go to the tomb with Mary Magdalene? How can we do that? Well, we can. It's a mystery. And you've essentially just described it as your own mm -hmm. personal experience. I would like you to take another step. Now, there's a little, uh, I, I didn't even warn you on this, but I'm going to ask you how you understand Easter theologically. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead mean to you, looking at it from a theological point of view? You asked and you, you, you responded to my question, what does it mean to you, you know, on a, on a personal level? And that's crucial. But I believe there's also some very important things on what we would call a doctrinal or a right. theological level. How would you respond to the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, doctrinally or theologically? Well, of course, um, the place I guess you go to begin, uh, other than the creation of man itself, would be the fall. Uh, man was made to experience life with God forever. And uh, when sin entered, death came. And um, now, rather than this immortal creature, now he's subject to sin and corruption and death. And it all looks so hopeless. And, uh, of course, in the Scripture, in the Old Testament, you've got these wonderful glimpses, uh, such passages as, I know that my Redeemer lives. And um, uh, other uh, indications, uh, uh, some of the passages, for example, in the book of Isaiah, um, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, the, the hope of forgiveness. Um, and then, I, I love that, that place in the Nicene Creed where we confess Christ as light of light, the Father is light, the Son is light of light, uh, God of God, the, the Father is God, the Son is God of God. And then you've got that phrase, who for us men and our salvation, he came down from heaven. 
was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The fact that he didn't need to come, in other words, he gained personally nothing. He laid aside the glory that was his in the presence of his father in the heavenlies and came down here as a man without ever diminishing one iota his divinity, all for us um, because of his love for us. And uh, that, that that's really hard for me to get through on Sunday morning, just the uh, the um, oh the magnitude of that that God would come for us God the Son would come and um, to subject himself willingly to the crucifixion to be our sacrifice for sin and then of course to rise again on the third day just as he had predicted so through his resurrection he brings us back to life everlasting once again and you know, we have hope. There's there's a reason to live. Um, that that simple phrase in the gospel, because he lives, we shall live also. You know, it's really interesting. There is a hymn that you're aware of, but most of our listeners aren't, because I would assume the vast majority of our, of our listeners are not Orthodox Christians in the sense of, you know, Orthodox with a capital O. Many of them are Orthodox with a small O. Uh, maybe the vast majority uh, are in that regard. There's a hymn that we sing in our earlier morning service on Sunday. We call it Matins or Orthros, uh, which, you know, the... The morning prayers. It's the morning prayers. Mm-hmm. And there's a hymn that's sung probably, I've never counted uh, the number of Sunday mornings, but it's, uh, you know, Sunday is a is a Little Easter uh, we, it's a it is a celebration of the resurrection, and there's a hymn that we sing about probably forty or forty two of the Sundays of the year, where one of the lines is raising up Adam mm-hmm. and releasing mm-hmm. all men from sin. Uh, and, and every time I hear that, uh, actually we call it the. Uh, if you were going to, it, sometimes it's given to us in a in a foreign language. It's called the Evloyataria. That's Greek. Because if you put it into English, it's just the, the blesseds, because that's what evloyataria means. It's the blesseds. And so we sing, uh, and it's because the refrain in the hymn is, uh, blessed art thou, O Lord. Uh, and uh, it, it's just so remarkable, raising up Adam. You know, I'd like to uh, to also ask you to comment on this. You know, when the apostles began to preach... Uh, after the uh, ascension, and even Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, named the apostles as witnesses of the resurrection. Father Peter, why do you think that the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was so crucial in the preaching of the 12 apostles immediately after the day of Pentecost? Why was it so powerful to witness to the resurrection of Christ. Why was it so central in their preaching? Well, of course, you know, they were promised by the Lord that he would rise again. Um, After his death, they basically dispersed for a time. And then when the word got out on Sunday morning uh, through the women that came to the grave, that he was gone, that he was alive, that he was out of there, it just... It must have blown them away. I mean, I, I try to put myself in their shoes, and it's hard to do. Um, but this was the most dramatic event in all of history to this point, and, and still. That uh, this one who claimed to be the eternal Son of the Father, who claimed to be God in the flesh, after having you know, endured this the death on the cross and the burial in that borrowed tomb now on Sunday morning was back. And, uh, you know, it, it changed their lives. It, um, it, it gave them a courage, I think, to, um, you know, they say in football, the coach will say in halftime, guys, leave it all on the field. The resurrection made the disciples leave it all on the field. I mean, it was... It was the only um, the only thing that, uh, from there on, uh, uh, I was 
going to say motivated them, but it empowered them to know that this one that they loved and worshipped was truly God because he, he conquered death and hell. You know, you, you used a word that really triggered something in my mind, um, empowered them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how old I was when I memorized the passage from St. Paul that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the, the fellowship, fellowship of his suffering, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I'm sure I was probably in the neighborhood of 12 or 13 years old when I memorized that, and it's just been a part of my being ever since. You know, you memorize that stuff when you're children, and it just goes into you forever. And and here, you know, 60 years later, it's so easy to, to just bring it out. But there's power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I think it's fair to say that no power that has ever been demonstrated in all the history of heaven or earth is as great as the power as it took to raise Jesus from the dead. One of my favorite passages of the scripture is, you know, is from the Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where it says uh, he, he led captivity captive and he raised him high above all thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, names named in this age and in the age to come. And I have this vision in my mind, this picture in my mind of Jesus just storming through hell. On great and holy Saturday. Oh, yeah, just, I mean, he wastes the place. They're having a big celebration. I'm just, this is conjecture. I mean, this is sort of uh, almost silliness on my part, but it's the, the point isn't silly. But I see him there just blasting hell to to smithereens after the devil thought he had it. and they, they were having a party down there they yeah. thought they'd won yeah. they'd killed the son of god they'd won the thing and all of a sudden wham <laughs> oh and he storms through the place and he wastes it all principalities the powers not just names named in this age but names named in the age to come and he didn't just raise him up but he raised him up high above all thrones dominions principalities powers it names wasn't, names it wasn't a squeaker oh no <laughs> and i mean a- the victory was devastating to hell and, uh, and I, I just love that and if i can toss in there that the, the thing that we do know that isn't conjecture is that Sunday morning he wasn't the only one raised. There were, there were saints tromping through the streets of Jerusalem <laughs> oh, I love that had it. been captivated in the grave, who knows, for centuries. And here they're up and around and people saying, my, oh, my, look who's here. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, beyond the conjecture thing of it, and, and of course we weren't there and don't can't give a firsthand report, but... Here, some of the saints were back as well. Probably on that, probably, what we really do believe, folks, is we believe that Adam and Eve were raised that day. And taken to heaven. By the grace of God. Right. Not for any merit, because they were sort of at the root of the problem. But by the mercy and grace of God, they were raised. Uh, Captivity was led captive. Mm -hmm. Uh, what What a marvelous thing. And, uh, you know, that incident that many of us, it isn't that we didn't want to underline it in our Bible. We just, you know, did it really happen? Were those, were those Old Testament saints actually raised from the dead? That's an important issue. Mm-hmm. That's important because it makes it really clear to us that it isn't just he right, right. that gets raised from the dead. That's why we can stake our lives on it, <sighs> Father. You know, uh, describe, would you, the resurrection icon? You know, Orthodox churches have icons, holy pictures, windows to heaven, and there's one that is called the resurrection icon. There may be a thousand varieties of it, but it's always the same. Tell us about it. Well, you know, a a picture is worth 10,000 words. I wish I could email everybody a picture. But um, Christ is robed in dazzling white almost like you picture in the book of Revelation. Behind him is a spray of light or a blast of light. And uh, it's done in in whites and blues um, very dramatically, almost disturbingly. It's so uh, strong. And then in one hand, he's got Adam. 
and one hand he's got Eve hauling them up out of the grave. And then down in the grave, there are these little symbols of death, the bolt, the bar, uh, the lock that's been broken. And uh, it's, it's incredibly descriptive of the, uh, of the release that man has from death by Christ. And uh, it's worth, to the listener, it's worth going by the Orthodox Church in your neighborhood and asking the priest to show it to you. It, it is such a picture of victory, mm-hmm. total victory. And the enemy has just been utterly defeated. Uh, in most of those icons, those holy pictures, by the way, King David is there. Yes. Uh-huh. And the, the, uh, some of the prophets are there uh, it, it, because Jesus has pulled them out of the grave, too. Uh, it, it is just so powerful. And, you know, as I've thought about this, and you may want to comment on this, too. You know, when I was a younger Christian, uh, I really did have a lot of disdain in my life for uh, the founders of other religions. I actually was uh, sort of disdainful of, uh, of uh, you know, Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius. And you know, I, I'm not into those religions. Uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. But uh, after, as I went through seminary and afterwards, uh, there were many fine things that, the, that, that Con- Confucius did say some good things. Muhammad did say some good things. Uh, Buddha did say some good things, but there's a huge difference between them and Jesus mm. because they're dead. Mm-hmm. And the founder of every great religion is dead. Dead, dead, dead. Jesus alone is risen from the dead. They didn't even claim to be raised from the dead. I don't know if you have any comment on that. But. Well, or, or to just say none of them ever claimed to be anything other than prophets or enlightened ones. Uh, Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. In other words, he without hesitation um, claimed to be the Son of God in the flesh. And uh, that, that in and of itself sets him apart. And then you go from there to um, the idea of the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection, that uh, you, know, you, you can't go to a tomb of Christ. It's empty. Um, and that, you know, again, is just uh, makes him uh, light years uh, in distinction from all of the others that claim to be religious leaders. You know, there, there's a bit of humor in something you said, I think. You said, you know, uh, his tomb is empty. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. There is, do you know, in, in Israel, uh, there are two claims right. to which sure. is the tomb of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one's right. I don't know which one's wrong. One of them's right and one of them's wrong. But they both have one thing in common. They're empty. They're empty. (laughs) They're empty. Father Peter, on this subject of the resurrection, if you could stand up today on national television and speak to North America about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what what would your challenge be to all of North America today in regard to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because I know to you, it's not just another important day. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. What would you want, what would you say if you could speak to all of North America today? Well, it, it's easier to talk to older people about it than younger people. Younger people think that, that everybody's going to die except them. And I went through this. I, th- I saw my, you know, my grandparents' age and then my aunts and uncles' age. And I thought, gee, that's just so far away. It may never happen. I may just be this guy that uh, uh, never has to face aging and death. So, you know, and this is anecdotal, but I find in preaching, it's the older people that respond better. And uh, the young people just still can't believe they're ever going to die. Um, but I would say for all, the fact that, that it, with the resurrection of Christ, he brings us new life. In other words, <clears throat> just as he was dead, buried, and raised again, so that in holy baptism we can experience his death, 
and his burial and his resurrection. Um, we can we can die with him. Our, we can leave our sins in the grave with him, uh, buried, and then by his grace, uh, joined to him in holy baptism, we can rise with him. We can experience new life, freedom from sin, freedom from that sting of death, and um, and that good kind of confidence that comes uh, from being born again, from being given new life, and, and having life to look forward to. And then, then there's one other thing I, I, I think I would say, and that is that we really aren't ready to live until we're ready to die, and that uh, knowing Christ has gained victory over death through his resurrection, we do not have to live in the fear of death, but rather, uh, or somebody said a Christian's the only one in all the world that can yell baloney at death. It isn't final because of the resurrection, and therefore that, uh, that we can live our lives with an abandonment to Christ because we know that because he lives, we will live also. You're listening to Father John Braun in the Orthodox Christian Hour. Father John is pastor of St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, three blocks north of UTC on Genesee. Father Peter, I would like to go to a relatively delicate matter, uh, somewhat emotional matter, I think, uh, for my listeners here on the Orthodox Christian Hour, and you are listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour. Uh, St. Anthony Orthodox Church presents this hour every single Sunday, 12 to 1. I'm Father John Braun, and today I'm interviewing Father Peter Gilquist, the Director of the Department of Missions and Evangelism, for the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America. Father Peter and I have been friends. Uh, he's pushing 65, and I'm going to push 71. Uh, we've been friends since we were in our, oh, our, I, he was in his late teens, perhaps, maybe 19 or 20, and I was probably 25. 
uh, several years ago, just a few years ago, and I'd like you to tell the listeners a little bit about this. He was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And what I would like you to do, if you can, express what the resurrection means to you in terms of one who has faced the reality of terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you asked it, and I'm very, <clears throat> very easy talking about it, uh, which I'm, I'm grateful for because it is, it is a mercy of God. Um, for those who know me well, I'm a worrywart. Um, I, um, if, you know, if I've left something undone, it really does bother me. Um, and I, I try to be prepared in life. And, and <clears throat> when, a, when a verdict like this come down, comes down, it really broadsides you. And uh, in my case, uh, I've got melanoma, which is, they say, probably the most aggressive of, of the forms of cancer. I had a, a, a mole removed from my shoulder. They diagnosed it as benign, and then a year later discovered they were wrong. So I lost a year. And um, when they finally went back in, they removed the lymph nodes you know, in my arm and all this kind of thing. They gave me a 50-50 chance of living five years, and that was four years ago. So I'm, I'm technically still out on the track doing laps. And, you know, the, the, the mercy of it all was I honestly don't think about it. And I know this is God's grace because uh, this isn't me. I probably worry more about other people's maladies than I do my own. And I'm not saying this to extol myself as some kind of, you know, paragon of faith or anything like that. It's just, um, it's it's a mercy. I don't know other, any other way to say it. Um, you know, look, the, the resurrection doesn't make you cocky. If anything, it humbles you. But it does bring a confidence that uh, that those outside of Christ, I don't think, can really know. So I've gone through this thing light-hearted. Um, I'm relying way more on the prayers of my friends than my own prayers. To be honest, I don't pray a lot for myself with the cancer. Uh, I simply rely on the, the prayers of those saints that have gone on before us to their rest and the saints that remain here. And uh, I, just, I find incredible strength. I think a lot about the day I die because one day... Whether, whether it's cancer or something else, you know, we all are going to terminate. And uh, uh, because, of, because of the fact that Christ has conquered death and hell, um, I, I rest in that. And it's, it, again, it's not an ability of mine. It's simply the, uh, the mercy of God that has allowed me to do that. You know, I, I think about this often. Uh, you were diagnosed with terminal cancer. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer, but uh, not terminal, and that seems to be fine. And often people say, well, you know, <clears throat> you preachers, you don't, you, you don't know the trouble I have, and I think sometimes uh, of that, that uh, other spiritual, another one of the spirituals, nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. Well, th- there's, there's truth in that. But we, we have so many people, probably at least 50% of the people listening to this broadcast today have serious problems in their lives. Health problems, marriage problems, financial problems, business problems, work problems, children problems. And uh, we all feel, well... My crisis is worse than every other crisis. Easter Day is a great day of hope, especially for the people with the worst problems. Mm-hmm. You remember you and I had a, a common friend, uh, uh, a very famous Orthodox theologian, Father Alexander Schmemann, whose teaching about death is probably the most powerful that I've ever heard. Uh, his, uh, he, he died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, even as he was just about to die you know people would ask him well well father how do you feel about dying he said after all the teaching i've done in my life how could i be afraid of it i have already died Mm -hmm. i died with christ i've already died i've already experienced death 
and I have experienced resurrection. How can I fear what I'm going through? It is not something to fear. It's something to actually glory in, that I'm going to be transported to another life. That's what I've taught all these years. The Christian doesn't fear death because the Christian who has been baptized with Christ has already died. Mm -hmm. And it's a marvelous, marvelous thing. Somebody said, I know you've heard this, that a Christian is the only one that has the privilege of attending his own funeral. And of course, that funeral is baptism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I heard a story of a, a number of um, Eastern uh, prelates uh, or clergy that were meeting during the, uh, the really tense communist years. And uh, they, some of them had been allowed out of their communist-dominated countries. And I don't remember what country this conference was held in. And the conversation at the table got to how serious the, the persecution was from the communists in those days. And uh, a bishop was sitting there at the table listening to this conversation, and he'd been quiet. And then he spoke up. He said, well, there's one thing that they cannot take away from us. They cannot take our death away mm. from us. Mm. We can die physically and we can face that because we have already died with Christ. And that, that is something they cannot rob us of. They can, mm. they can stop us from having meetings. They can stop us from preaching, but they cannot take our death from us. Mm. And that's a remarkable story. It's a grand day is Easter Day. And I hope that you who are listening today, and many of you are probably just leaving church, and it's been a special day, I would really encourage you to not let Easter be just a one-day celebration. We're going to celebrate Easter from now until, actually, we're going to celebrate Easter till Ascension. And it's going to be a grand time, and we're going to be singing. It's kind of strange. We sing, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs bestowing life. Easter Day is not just a day we celebrate a victory. Uh, I have this image in my mind. You know, we tend to put, at least I'm one of these people that's visual, and I tend to visualize what I see and hear, and I don't see Jesus just stepping on death. I see him trampling it down. I mean, death is just utterly, utterly wiped out. He stomps on it and stomps on it and stomps on it. He tramples it down. Uh, to me, the word trample has to do with a stampede. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, people, either the stampede of cattle or, or like the, the, uh, the club in, in, in the east uh, the, where they just had the horrible fire and, and the stampede of people trying to get out. Well, it's a dangerous thing. And uh, Jesus trampling down death was more than, than death uh, for the devil. It, it terminated his power ultimately over us. Father Peter, if you were going to be able to speak to America on what she needs to do at this time of crisis, because I believe we are in a time of crisis. We're, we're facing the possibility of a war. We're, we face so many crises in our nation. Uh, our economy is slumbering, it seems. There are so many problems. There is the devastation that is taking place in our nation. Uh, In so many areas, morality seems to have just crumbled. If you could speak with a prophetic voice, what would you want to say to to America? Um, I think what I'd do, at least at this very moment that you ask me, what comes to mind is that last petition in what we call the great litany in the orthodox church and i had never prayed a prayer like this until i became orthodox because um you know in the evangelical movement it's been called the born again movement and we believe in the new birth as i said 20 minutes ago but the the new birth is the start the start it's like the 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 starting blocks in a race uh there's also the finish line And the prayer that I have in mind is when we say for a Christian ending to our lives, painless, blameless, and peaceful, and for a good defense before the dread judgment seat of Christ. Um, 
because of the resurrection, we can look forward to a life in the kingdom of God after death. And so, so I think I'd talk about not just starting well. You know, St. Paul said to the Galatians, you were running well. Who has bewitched you? Who's tricked you? And uh, I think so many of us as Christians start with, you know, a sense of effervescence and enthusiasm. And uh, gee, I remember my early days as a Christian on an active basis in college. You know, I'd, I worked nights. I'd come home. I got, got home usually one or two in the morning. Often in, in the summer when there was no school, I'd, I'd open the Bible and I'd read it till sun up without meaning to. I was just so enthralled with the gospel and with Christ's reality in my life and his love for me and so on. Um, so many of us started well. The trick is to finish well. And again, that's, that's just as we start by his grace, we finish by his grace. But I think what I would talk about is, you know, no matter what happens out there, uh, if there's germ warfare, um, biological warfare, uh, you know, all of us are going to die. So our prayer is for a Christian ending to our life. Lord, don't let me flake out as we near the end. Let me get tougher. Let me get uh, more bold to love you and to let your light shine. And um, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you, Father Peter. That's Father Peter Gilquist, Director of the Department of Missions and Evangelism for the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America. Father Peter, thank you for sharing Western Easter Day with us. And as I mentioned to you before, most of our listeners are celebrating their Easter today. You know, if you attend an Easter service in an Orthodox church and you're surely welcome to be at St. Anthony or any other Orthodox church next Sunday. You're going to see something interesting. Yes, you, you will see the priest vested in rather ornate vestments. And you might ask, well, why is that? Who does he think he is? Someone really important? And the answer is yes, because he stands there as an icon of Christ, a, a window to heaven, but he's dressed like a king. In the old Roman Empire, that's why those vestments are that way. And he's, he's, he's an icon of Christ, but not with sandals and a robe walking around in Galilee or Judea, but as the high king of heaven. Because of the resurrection, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he has, been, he has ascended into heaven, seated as king at the right hand of the Father. The resurrection proclaims Jesus as the triumphal king who goes back having conquered every enemy for all eternity. Thank you for sharing your Easter experience with us, Father Peter, and with our listeners. You've been listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour, brought to you by St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall, La Jolla, just three blocks north of University Town Center on Genesee. Father John can be heard each Sunday, noon to 1 p.m. on KPRZ, and you're cordially invited to hear Father John in person, Sundays, 9.30 a.m. at St. Anthony Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall in La Jolla. We'd love to hear from you about your questions and concerns. Just call St. Anthony at 858-458-0992. That number again is 
1-800-242-9892. As always, thanks to all of you for being with us today on the Orthodox Christian Hour. And now, Father, give us your blessing. May the blessing of the Lord and his mercy come upon you through his grace and love for mankind always, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.